Star Wars 7x7 episode 1960. Today, we're going to talk about what we've learned so far about the character of the Mandalorian himself. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So, The Mandalorian has opened up a lot of doors, and not just within the Star Wars universe itself, but also within the series. A lot of questions that need to be answered, or at least need to be asked and considered and discussed. And as far as how I'm going to approach that, well, I, I'm planning out future episodes of the show, and everybody who is at the 327 level on Patreon, the platform 327 level, will be hearing about my plans for dealing with the Mandalorian going forward very soon. So if you are not yet a patron of the show and are curious as to how I'm going to pursue this whole thing, well then, by all means, check out that and all the other benefits of being a patron of the show. But for today, first of all, I will say that Chapter 2 of The Mandalorian has dropped as of the time of this episode, or at least I believe it will have, but not of the time of the recording of this episode, so there's nothing about Chapter 2 here. But I am going to talk about the character of The Mandalorian and what we've learned about him so far based on Chapter 1, and it is a spoiler episode in that sense. I'm not going to be talking about the major plot details of the episode so much, but it is a spoiler episode for things that we learned about the Mandalorian himself. So just, you know, if you haven't seen chapter one yet and don't want it spoiled for you, then save this episode of Star Wars 7x7 for a later date. But if you're good with me going, then let's go. So in the run-up to The Mandalorian's release, we heard about the fact that this is a guy who is sort of walking a moral line and, you know, that he might want to do good, but that he might be prevented from doing so. I'm paraphrasing some of the stuff that we were told about the Mandalorian's character leading up to the release of the show. One of the things that we learn about the Mandalorian early on is in his meeting with Grief Cargo when he turns in his tracking fobs and Grief tries to pay him with Imperial credits. And the Mandalorian initially says, uh, you know, these are Imperial credits. Grief Cargo tells him they still spend and the Mandalorian says, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but the Empire is gone. And Grief says, I can pay you in Calamari Flan, but I can only pay half. And the Mandalorian accepts this. So when you consider then later on that in their conversation, Grief says the highest bounty he has is 5,000. And the Mandalorian says that I won't even pay for fuel these days. It's rather telling that the Mandalorian will only accept the Calamari Flan for payment of the bounties that he's brought in. Does this mean that you know, he's being practical, that you know, the Empire is you know, on its way out and so he doesn't want to be stuck with money that isn't going to be useful? I don't think that's the case. I mean, if Grief Karga is telling him that the money still spends, then you know, why wouldn't you take it and why wouldn't you use it? He's taking Calamari Flan because of something more about his moral character is what I would say. And maybe it has to do with how bad the Empire was to the Mandalorians to begin with. Maybe it's just that, you know, he has a, a broader sense of justice. This is something that we're going to have to learn about him. But I think it's a rather fascinating first 
indication of the kind of character this Mandalorian person is. Then we have his interactions with the Armorer, who is played by Emily Swallow, and a couple of things about that. First of all, we find out that he is a foundling, and so all those scenes that we saw in the previous trailers of a family running with a young child in danger and battle droids shooting up the joint and the young child being hidden in some sort of container, well, it seems like it's being positioned as that being the Mandalorian. That young child is our Mandalorian and therefore an orphan in the grand Star Wars tradition. And I think that's something we're going to have to file away for future reference. But as far as whether it has anything to do with that scene, which we will discuss after the break, I, I don't think so, and I'll explain why. Uh, however, he is giving... It looks like all of his money, all of the money that he got from Grief Karga, as well as that little plate of Beskar steel, to the armorer. And she notes how generous it is. So, and, you know, he's sponsoring foundlings as well, or at least the excess is going to. And so, you know, it does make you wonder whether he's doing this literally out of the kindness of his heart, or because he is already you know, you know, flush with cash and credits as it is, or flush with flan, <laughs> as it were, and doesn't necessarily need this particular amount. Hard to say for sure. We need a little bit more information, but I'm sure that he's perfectly aware that he is being generous with his money in the giving. But the Beskar and the note about it being good that it's back with the tribe, well, that could just be pure Mandalorian motivation anyway, especially if it was something that was lost in the Great Purge, which there's not a lot of information about, but the implication is that it had something to do with the rise of the Empire. So, yeah, yeah, Mandalorians sure don't seem to like the Empire very much, despite Boba Fett working with Darth Vader. And then there's the part where the Mandalorian offers money to Nick Nolte's Ugnaught and says, please, you deserve this, when he doesn't want to take it. So the fact that the Mandalorian is trying to insist on paying him for his services, well, that certainly seems like the Mandalorian is trying to be a good person to the best of his ability in this galaxy. I mean, he already had a deal to let <laughs> let the guy have his blurg and the other blurg that got caught in that whole foo that happened when the Mandalorian arrived on the planet. But apparently the Mandalorian feels like the debt isn't paid and wants to do more, which is, again, rather interesting and speaks to his general good nature. So that's what I've got for you about the Mandalorian right now. But yeah, we're going to talk about that final scene and whether it really tells us anything about the Mandalorian's character in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the Asteroid Belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the Asteroid Belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. So, at the end of the first episode of The Mandalorian, we have that scene where they find the asset, and instead of letting IG-11 kill the asset, 
the Mandalorian actually shoots IG-11. We don't know if IG-11 is totally dead or not, but certainly incapacitated enough that the Mandalorian is going to be able to take the asset alive. And so that was sort of the sticking point that IG-11 was under orders to terminate the asset. And, you know, the strange thing about it is, is that when the client, that's Werner Herzog's character, says, you know, take the asset alive, you know, if possible, but I acknowledge that bounty hunting is a complicated profession, so proof of termination is acceptable for a lower fee, it's not in the Mandalorian's interest to let IG-11 shoot the asset, to kill the asset, because A, they're already talking about splitting the bounty to begin with, and so we're talking about a lowered bounty, and not only that, but it's lowered on the proof of termination side of things too, instead of being returned alive. So this character, just like Han Solo for Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back, is worth a lot more to the Mandalorian alive than dead, and worth a lot more to the Mandalorian if he doesn't have to share the bounty with IG-11. So there's every reason for the Mandalorian to shoot IG-11 without it having anything to do with whether he cares one way or the other about the life of this asset. And if you've already seen the first episode of The Mandalorian, you know what asset I'm talking about. I don't have to say it in it. If you haven't watched the first episode of The Mandalorian yet, then by all means do. And, you know, I'm not going to stay quiet on this for long because we're going to have to talk about this asset. I mean, really, we are. So <laughs> that'll come in due course for sure. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.